Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. episode of the power ranking show is brought to you by bet online bet online is your number one source for all the playoff action info stats news and scores get the latest odds and lines for we've got baseball going on right now we've got ufc we've got boxing we've got nba draft stuff that you can bet on bet online is your sports intel headquarters this season as they have you covered for all of your insider sports wagering needs it is the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games that are available to play right from your home. Get into the action today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And that, of course, is the one and only at Marcus underscore Mosher. This is the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, and we are uh, talking a little bit of a different topic uh, today, something we don't normally... I got, I got this cowlick, bro, and it's just bothering the heck out of me. It's really important stuff here. You want me to fix it? No, we're you good. You don't care, do you? It's just going to stay. Uh, the topic is not my cowlick. The topic is something that, that I don't think we've ever discussed before. If we have, we've just mentioned it. But uh, the NFL bringing back, uh, uh, would you call it an oldie but a goodie? Yeah, supplemental draft. How excited are you for the supplemental draft? You've, you've been pulling out all stops, watching your draft film? No, but I I did, uh, you know, after you talked to me about it, I did want to look at something about it because it's got kind of an interesting history. And when you said you wanted to talk about it, I thought, well, man, does anyone ever talk about the supplemental draft other than just like a cursory mention of, hey, the Buccaneers got this defensive tackle that you may never have heard of or whatever. By the way, I'm going to show more chest hair because you yeah. asked for it. Uh, uh, yeah. No, it, it's it's just kind of disappeared. The, the, not the chest hair, but the supplemental draft has disappeared <laughs> yeah. over the last several years. And I think there's a pretty good reasoning why. But uh, the reason why I wanted to bring it up Today, Elliot, is because a supplemental draft used to be really important. And there are some really good and some really notable names that have been in the supplemental draft before. But before we get into all that, let's first talk about what it is. Elliot, can you uh, describe what the supplemental NFL draft is? Well, yeah, you know, it, it, you, obviously college football rules have changed a lot. Marcus is a huge college football person, but it used to be a manner in which players could be drafted after the official NFL draft who either no longer had eligibility or were suddenly NFL eligible. In other words, they completed the minimum amount of college eligibility that they needed to complete. Uh, I believe it used to take place in May, but one thing we have to do also is recognize that the NFL draft used to take place in November of the football season. Yeah. Then they moved it to April. And then the I think the supplemental draft came about in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the exact year. I want to say 77. Okay. Yep. Okay. 77. And, and I think it was in May back then as well. And like I said, it was an opportunity to get some players that had very, very unique situations. 
But Marcus, as we talked about on the phone, and as uh, I know a lot of people that listen to us are major college football fans, options have changed for the college football player to where the supplemental draft uh, being a marketplace for them maybe isn't as necessary as it was before. Yeah, so a lot of the players that were in the supplemental drafts in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even 2000s were players who either got kicked off their current college teams like after the NFL draft, or maybe they got suspended, or maybe they graduated early because that used to be a thing. Like you could be somebody who graduated in two or three years, but you weren't necessarily eligible to come out for the NFL draft yet. So you graduated in May, you could get drafted in the supplemental draft. But now, let me back up. One of the other reasons why players would go in the supplemental draft is if you got suspended from your team and you wanted to go play somewhere else or you got kicked off, you would have to wait a year. Yeah, yeah, whole calendar. Wait a year before you can play. And just some guys didn't want to wait. So instead of waiting a, a full year, they go play, you know, they go right to the NFL. Now with the transfer portal, if you want to leave Notre Dame to go play it for Oklahoma, you can do that in a week. You don't have to sit out. There's no rules that way. So I think it's kind of taking out some of the need for a supplemental draft. I mean, you know, and it obviously it depended what era you were in as well. I mean, there were times there were other leagues, believe it or not, there was a time that the Canadian football league competed with the NFL uh, in some regards, they got some good players. Now that's going more back to the fifties, but it's not like there were no college football players that went and played in the world football league or the USFL or the Canadian football league. Obviously sure. Rocky Nismile comes uh, to mind in the nineties, probably the biggest star that went to the CFL, but your options as a college athlete, while limited in going to play for another school you had options as long as there were other leagues out right. there, but what the supplemental draft provided was an additional marketplace for either a player that had a unique situation or for a team that was willing to spend its draft capital of the next year on getting a guy today. So and, and we should explain how the supplemental draft works. So players declare for it. The NFL has to grant you permission, but what it is is you use the previous draft order right Mm -hmm. and everybody gets to say whether they'd use their following pick in that round in the next year's draft to select a player so if you had the number one pick so that would be what who was the number one pick this year's carolina or actually it would be chicago because (laughs) of the trade right chicago would say hey we're either going to use our pick here or we're going to pass to the next round and that's how it would work quick trivia do you know who won the super bowl this year (laughs) You can't Do you ever find that you have to think about it, like just for? Well, it's just weird like, that we got a fir- uh, we yeah. got a we got a a number a first round pick or the number one overall pick that got traded. It just doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't. Uh, we talk about it every year, and then it so rarely happens. But uh, going back to the supplemental draft, how much are you willing to give away for a player that you think can help you now or the future of your franchise? If you want to spend a first round pick, you can. There aren't going to be very many teams that are going to compete with you, if any, in the supplemental draft. In other words, they're going to say, hey, we'll let you have that guy if you want to give up your first round pick. But the way it ha- the way it works is it has to go through the whole draft order. Yep. So if you evaluate, let's say, you know, Marcus and I, uh, let's say I run a team and Marcus runs a team and we both really need a uh, pass rusher and you know, Marcus doesn't think that pass rusher is a first round talent. Marcus isn't going to spend his first round pick of the supplemental draft 
trying to get him. He's going to see what I do. And if I'm willing to spend the first round pick, then Marcus's team isn't going to get him. But if I wait, if I wait, then it goes to the second round. And then it's up to Marcus and me whether or not we want to spend our second round pick. But that's how it goes. It's kind of like clearing waivers. A player used to have to clear every team before they cleared waivers. Exactly. That's the way the supplemental draft. A guy, there's there's the player. All the teams have a chance to draft him. It's just a matter of providing they have a first round pick the next year. Do they want to spend that pick? And then it goes to the second round and so on and so forth. I hope that made sense the way I explained it. Yes, it did. So we, we got done talking about why it, it it's a thing, how it occurs. Now let's talk about kind of the history of this. So the first ever pick of the supplemental draft, do you know who it was? He told me on the phone, and I thought this was a former corner, and it was a running back for Seattle, right? That was Al Hunter. Al Hunter. The Seahawks used yeah. a fourth-round pick on Al Hunter, who went on to have 700 career yards. I, I will say the first five or six players to ever be drafted in the supplemental draft, uh, none of them really were uh, anything notable. Now, the first supplemental draft pick that was a team used a first-round pick on was Dave Wilson in the 1981 draft. That's when the Saints used their first-round pick on him. Yes, and I saw Dave Wilson actually play in a game against Dallas uh, at Texas Stadium. I was there. Um, Dave Wilson was mostly a backup for the Saints to uh, Kenny Stabler, first to Archie Manning in 81, then to Kenny Stabler in 82, 83. And then Dave Wilson finally started to get to play. But Bobby Bear, who we have talked about mm-hmm. on this podcast, a player who did exercise their option to go to the USFL, ended up coming back into the NFL. And Dave Wilson could not beat yeah. Bobby Bear out. Uh, one quick point on this, just to kind of explain how this works. So for Al Hunter, uh, and I'm not going to pretend I'm super familiar with Al Hunter's career because I'm not, um, no team was willing to spend a say third round pick on Al Hunter. So it got to the fourth round and that's when Seattle said, okay, we'll do that. You know, but with Dave Wilson, there were teams that, that wanted to spend a first round pick. And in fact, you said 1981, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, the saints in 1980 went one in 15. They had the, the first overall pick. I'm pretty sure in 81, they took George Rogers in 81 and they basically forfeited their 1982 pick to get Dave Wilson in the supplemental draft. What a month later? How much yeah. later? Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember exactly how much later the supplemental. It's, draft it's usually was May or June. It just depends on the year. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, basically right. with the, that same off season. Yeah. So um, what's interesting about that to me is this is the first time you see a team trying to say or trying to change the the state of its quarterback position in the franchise yep. uh, with uh, also with the new head coach bum phillips took over the saints in 1981 that would so, not be the last time that happened yes uh now our first superstar to kind of enter the supplemental draft was bernie kozar in 1985 the cleveland browns used their first round selection on him uh he graduated after his junior year one of those situations where he talked about where he wasn't eligible to come out during the 85 NFL draft, but a couple of months later, eligible for the supplemental draft in the Browns took him. Right. So the NFL draft has been in April for a really long time, or I think, didn't we have it in the first week of May yeah. one year, two years ago, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's dumb. Uh, so I don't know if you were a fan of that, but it's no, one it. of those let's, let's tweak everything kind of deals. Uh, so 
Bernie Kosar is really interesting. Okay. So kind of the same deal with the saints in that the Browns had a new head coach, this guy that a lot of people were not familiar with named Marty Schottenheimer. And they thought they had a real chance to get a phenomenal quarterback. Um, So Bernie Kosar, you know, in April of 85, he hasn't finished his credits yet. That's why he's not eligible. So literally, you know, when's, when, when did the spring semester end like mid May? Yeah. I mean, for us, it was like the last week of April. Yeah. So there you go. A few weeks later, he completes all his coursework. The The school has to verify that just like when a lot of you out there graduated, you had to verify that, Hey, did I in fact complete all my courses? Once it was verified and the NFL was made aware, there were multiple teams interested. The Vikings were a big one. They had a guy named Tommy Kramer who had been hurt two years in a row, missed a ton of time in 83 and 84. Good player. Uh, they were really interested And then the Browns were really interested. So Minnesota made a deal with Houston who had one of the top picks because remember what Marcus and I were just saying, you know, you could wait until like the second or third round to draft somebody. But if you're trying to get a franchise quarterback, it kind of works like the regular draft. You want to spend a first round pick and the higher you are, the earlier in the order you go. So Minnesota makes a deal. Minnesota makes a deal with Houston thinking this is an early pick. Uh, in 85, okay, that we're going to be able to get Bernie uh, before Cleveland gets him because Minnesota knew Cleveland wanted him. So Cleveland made a deal with Buffalo, who did have the number one overall pick. In fact, in 1985, the number one overall pick in the regular draft was Bruce Smith, who became Mm -hmm. a Hall of Famer. So Cleveland made a trade with Buffalo. They leapfrogged Minnesota, and they were able to get Bernie Kosar in the 85 supplemental draft. And honestly, it changed the arc of that franchise, Marcus. Yeah, so I think he is, I think, pretty easily our most successful quarterback ever to come out of supplemental draft. Right. Going out of order a yeah. little bit. But we also had a team use a number one overall pick on a quarterback, which was the Steve Walsh supplemental draft in 1989. What yeah. I find so fascinating about this, and I, this will never, ever happen again, but the Cowboys took Troy Aikman with the number one pick at the 1989 NFL draft. Okay. Six weeks later, they use their first round pick, which would be in the following draft in the 1990 draft on Steve Walsh without ever seeing Troy Aikman play. Right. Basically Jimmy Johnson's like, we're going to spend our two most valuable assets on a quarterback on two different quarterbacks. And let's just let them compete in camp. Uh, obviously we know how that played out. Trey Aikman won that job. Steve Walsh uh, did not have a great NFL career, but fascinating that a team would spend essentially two number one overall picks on two quarterbacks without ever seeing them play. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, not that I would be dishonest about it. (laughs) Jimmy Johnson wasn't a huge fan of Troy Aikman the first year and a half. Troy Aikman really had to earn Jimmy's respect as a professional, not because, not because Troy, didn't apply himself or couldn't play, but you know, Jimmy wanted winners and he thought of Steve Walsh as a winner. Steve Walsh had been his quarterback at Miami. Uh, Troy had played at UCLA and Jimmy was driving a hard bargain uh, in 89, 90. He's trying to build a team out of from scratch. And so he was tough, tough on all the players. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what ended up happening is Troy Aikman started 11 games, his rookie year, he went 0 and 11. Steve Walsh won their only game uh, against Washington, 13-3 at RFK. I watched that one with my dad at this really old bar, and uh, I'll I'll never forget that. But 
Um, and uh, did, isn't Temple kind of close to you? Somewhat. It's University. in Pennsylvania. It's kind yeah. of close. Go ahead. Okay. They had a running back named Paul Palmer who ran for over a hundred yards from Temple in that in that game to beat Washington. I'll never forget that. But they ended up dealing Steve Walsh because the Saints, who had taken Dave Wilson, realized Dave Wilson wasn't the answer, and they weren't really sure on Bobby Abair anymore. The Saint, I forget what Jimmy was able to turn those Saints picks into, but he re Jimmy made like five hundred different trades. Yeah. Yep. And Dallas ended up getting the number one overall pick again in 1991 and took Russell Maryland. But you're right. We will never see that again, but it was a great example of where quarterbacks become capital. And if you've got two of them, you can turn one of them into a draft hall. We've only seen a few times in NFL history where teams have used back-to-back first-round picks on quarterbacks. The the Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen one comes to mind, right? right? right. But never in back-to-back, or basically never twice at the same time without seeing either play. That'll never happen again. I want to go back to maybe the most famous supplemental draft of all time, 1987. Brian Bosworth uh, selected in the first round by the Seattle Seahawks. Bosworth, he got dismissed from Oklahoma, yep. uh, didn't go into the 87 NFL draft because he didn't declare in time, uh, goes to the supplemental draft because of his graduation. Uh, I think his career gets misremembered a little bit, but yes. I got to say, I think he's probably the most famous supplemental pick of all time. Yeah, I mean – there's so many different things going on. There's a steroid controversy with him and steroids were something that really weren't talked about a lot in 1986, 1987. Brian Bosworth going into 86 was a borderline Heisman candidate uh, as a linebacker, as an off the ball backer. That's amazing. But that's where college football was at the time. A lot of wishbone teams, which is a running offense uh, dominated at the time. Brian Bosworth is so famous for a play against Bo Jackson on Monday night football where he gets run over. And I'm putting yes. this in air quotes. If you guys are listening, I've always thought that was silly. Uh, even the boss said, Hey, yeah, I mean, he made a great run, but I got on the wrong side of his shoulder. It it's clear from the angle that Brian Bosworth is coming from that Bo has got the total advantage. And I think yes. a lot of linebackers would have gotten run over in that instance. Uh, not just, I think Mike Singletary would have gotten yeah. run over in that instance, not but because Bruce, it was so. the boss, people didn't like him. No. And then the next year, man, he started playing, but he hurt his shoulder. And by 89, he just could not play anymore. He had a really bad, I think he kept separating the same shoulder and he decided to go into acting. And if you've never seen Stone Cold, let me tell you. He's a not great, a terrible actor. He's really is. He's not. It's a great biker movie with Lance Henriksen. Okay. Yeah. You've probably seen Lance Henriksen and Terminator. Not Lance Hendricks though. Lance Hendricks. <laughs> no. no. Uh, let's let's run through a couple more picks. Let's uh, kind of rapid fire some of these. Yeah. Chris Carter, same draft, 1987. Uh, he got suspended before his senior year because he signed with an agent. Eagles yep. picked him up in the fourth round. His Philadelphia career ultimately didn't work out, but not a bad player. No, not at all. You know, I think I think he would have liked his Philadelphia tenure to go differently. But once he got to Minnesota in 1990, he completely turned his career around and uh, became one of the best possession receivers of all time, one of the best red zone receivers of all time and some of the best hands ever in the history yep. of the league. So he's as good as any of them. A couple more Pro Bowl players. Bobby Humphrey drafted in the first round by the Broncos in 1989. 
Rob yeah. Moore drafted by the Jets in 1990. Any thoughts on either of those two? Well, you know, Rob Moore had a really great career. A lot of people don't remember him as well with Arizona, but he put up some thousand yard seasons with them. Uh, he and Al Toon were a lethal combo, but Al Toon had to retire early with the Jets in 92. Yep. Um, the, one of the reasons why the Broncos needed Bobby Humphrey in 89 was because uh, they were, you know, they had Tony Dorsett, who was like going to be 35 years old, I think. And yep. Tony Dorsett ended up injuring his knee in training camp. So then Bobby Humphrey had to take over the load. And I think Bobby Humphrey ran for over a thousand yards his first two years in the league. All right, let's start to get some players from my era because of that's from when football really era. mattered. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, Sounds good. 2006, Ahmad Brooks goes in the third round of the Cincinnati Bengals. He got dismissed, I believed, in May from Virginia. Had an okay career with the Bengals, but really became yeah. a great player for the 49ers. Yeah, and what's interesting there is he was one of the real consistent like forces in their front seven as was Justin Smith, and they both came from the Bengals, which was always so odd to me. Yeah. Uh, Jared Gaither, we actually had a little bit of conversation about him, an offensive tackle that went to Maryland, one of the biggest players in NFL history. I feel like he got overshadowed a little bit, which is impossible for a six foot nine guy uh, because of Michael Orr, who I mean, I'm sure you guys know, The Blind Side, the movie uh, written about his life. Gaither, I kind of thought was the better uh, offensive tackle kind of during their Super Bowl run. Yeah, I mean, look, you do a movie with Sandra Bullock, you're just going to be more famous. And Tim, doesn't, and Tim McGraw, you know, great call. By the way, I have some Steve Walls trade details when you're ready for him because I really can't talk about the blind side anymore. Uh, I really like Josh, that movie. Josh Brent, former Cowboys uh, defensive yep. tackle. But yep. the one that I remember very, very well was Terrell Pryor, who went in the third round yes. of the Raiders. Yeah. Good call. Um he got suspended at Ohio state because of some tattoos, right? Remember he got mm -hmm. some, some free tattoos. Uh, he was awesome for Ohio state in the limited time that he played, uh, goes to the Raiders has an okay career as a quarterback did have a 98 yard rushing touchdown against the Steelers in a game that I remember very fondly. That was awesome. That but, play was awesome. But so, I mean, I, I think he could have stayed at quarterback and been a fine backup. Mm -hmm. makes the, the transition to wide receiver after like three or four years in the league. And then he goes on to have a thousand yard season as a receiver. I, I think Terrell Pryor, uh, one of the more underrated NFL players. Yeah. I thought, I remember one of the tweets that I sending out and then that didn't age very well. When I said uh, he made a few catches against Philadelphia on opening day uh, and I, with Washington. And I was like, Oh man, Terrell Pryor is going to have a huge year with Kirk cousins. I mean, it, he didn't have bad years. I think that's the thing is yeah. like he had a, a, yeah. a, a thousand yard receiving. Yeah. With, with the Browns in 2016, he had a thousand receiving yards and four touchdowns. That's after not playing uh wide receiver in 2012, 13 and 14. Right. I, yeah. So 12, 13, 14, 15, he played quarterback all four of those years, 2016 first year as a wide receiver, a thousand yards. Hey, man, uh, I just I thought he was going to end up being a star. But there was a receiver taken in the supplemental draft that did end up becoming a huge star for a while. Josh Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Josh Gordon. Yeah. Uh, he got dismissed from Baylor uh, right before or right after the NFL draft because of some drug stuff. Uh, one of the best seasons I've ever seen from a receiver the, that year with Derek Anderson. 2012. Yeah, 2012. Yeah. 
absolutely unbelievable. Uh, still kicking around. Play was, I think he was in the XFL this year, but despite all the suspensions, they'd have a pretty long NFL career. But I don't think that was with Derek Anderson. I think that was with, I think that was with Brandon Whedon. And um, I'm going to Google it right now. Was, oh man. Jason, oh, Jason Campbell. Campbell. Jason yeah, Campbell, Brandon Campbell Whedon, and, and Brian and Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Okay, I was going to say yeah, Charlie Fry. That's my mistake. Yeah. I have some uh, data here on sure. uh, a, a couple things while we're just giving a few historical notes before we bolt. Uh, one, Steve Walsh, that trade, Dallas traded to the Saints. They got a first, a second, and a third round pick. The second turned into a first based on performance. The Cowboys ended up uh, getting Russell Maryland, as I said, as a number one overall pick. They also got Eric Williams. Uh, a right tackle who is dominant. I mean, from, this is a from bad trade Steve for the Walsh. Saints. Yeah, uh, not great. Uh, last thing on Bernie Kosar, uh, what's really interesting about that one is the Browns had a franchise quarterback, Brian Sype, who we've talked about on this podcast and we were talking about unusual MVPs. And of course, you guys all know Kirk Cousins is going to win the MVP this year. So play that was, oh, 101 now. odds. Yeah, but uh, Brian Sype had had a nice comeback here in 1983 but he ends up going to the New Jersey Generals, and the Generals were owned by a, a young new owner that a lot of people didn't know named Donald Trump. Uh, they had Herschel Walker in the backfield, uh, Maurice Carthon, who a lot of you guys have heard you heard about. But meanwhile, Cleveland was left in a lurch. They had a guy named Paul McDonald that had played at USC with Marcus Allen, but they were a run offense. He wasn't very effective. Cleveland got off to a terrible start in 84. Their head coach gets fired. They get an interim head coach in Marty Schottenheimer. And with Schottenheimer in 85 and Bernie Kosar, that team made the playoffs for the, or excuse me, that team made the playoffs five straight years in a row and made the AFC championship game three out of four years with Bernie. Bernie Kosar isn't remembered for being this great quarterback, but from 85 to 89, he was pretty lights out. And at one point during that stretch, I think in 89, he threw 300 and something passes, Marcus, without being intercepted, which that's in an era where you're not dinking and dunking all the yeah. time. You're throwing the ball down the field. So uh, pretty interesting uh, history um, to both those guys, Steve Walsh and Bernie Kozar. Supplemental drafts is back, baby. We've got one applicant right now <laughs> who's definitely not going to get drafted. So uh, we, but we, this is our... 30-minute spiel on the history of the NFL NFL supplemental draft. Maybe maybe down the road it becomes important again, but it's too bad that it's kind of turned into it, what it has turned into. Well, here's my guided final thought for you. What would be the coolest thing? What's the biggest upside of uh, having another supplemental draft? What would be the coolest thing for happen is if just they let uh, you know players like after year two of the college football season, like you've played your two years, but you've also mm -hmm. graduated. Those guys are allowed back in because that would really open up the talent pool for guys like Caleb Williams at USC. It puts a little bit of strategy in, uh, in how you draft that. That would be fun if the, uh, the NFL decided to expand on it a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll see if uh, Turk Norton uh, comes out. I don't know where I got Turk Norton. I think the Falcons from. are going to yeah. spend a six round pick on him this year. We'll see yeah, we'll see. Uh, anyway, if you want some more takes on the Cowboys being involved in the supplemental draft or the actual real draft, listen to Locked on Cowboys. Marcus hosts that with Landon McCool. Also, he covers the Raiders for USA Today Raiders Wire. He is at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. And we will talk to you guys uh, another day. Take care, everybody.